The opinions expressed in the following episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Minds of Madness podcast. Listener discretion is advised. As an adult, Melinda Pleskovic still proudly considered her birthplace Strongsville, Ohio home, which is why she felt it was the perfect place to raise a family. But in the midst of some of her happiest moments living in Strongsville, she would unknowingly invite someone into her home who would ultimately betray her entire family in the most gruesome way. Join me now as we follow the life of a treasured woman who showed love and kindness to everyone she met. You'll learn how those we trust the most can sometimes be the ones to deceive us, shattering lives forever. In tight-knit communities all around the Midwest, it's not hard to find social pillars of communities the kind of people who give sacrificially of themselves, never asking for anything in return. It's because of their selflessness, they're revered and dearly loved by everyone around them. Melinda Pleskovic was one such pillar. She was born on January 5, 1968, to parents Opal and George Showman in Strongsville, Ohio. As a child, Melinda spent her life surrounded by the warmth of family and friends and was blessed with a loving personality. She had a sunny disposition and her laughter was positively infectious, affecting everyone who had the pleasure of knowing her. As a young adult, Melinda met and married Bruce Pleskovic and over the years, the happy couple welcomed three children into their lives, Megan, Anna, and Kyle. Melinda's home was just as welcoming as she was, painted bright pink with white-trimmed windows and a well-groomed lawn. Her tendency to spread sunshine to others in her life also spread to her children, especially her son Kyle, who had been born with Down syndrome. Kyle and his sisters absolutely adored their mother, who actively devoted herself to their lives and interests. Most days, Melinda kept herself busy participating in various school events, as well as instilling a love of physical activity into her children. She coached local soccer teams in the area, a hobby that factored in her other true passion in life, which was children. In 1986, Melinda enrolled at Baldwin Wallace College to follow her lifelong ambition of becoming a teacher, seeking her Bachelor of Science in Education. In 1990, while still attending Baldwin Wallace, she enrolled at Cleveland State University at the age of 22. Around the same time, she secured her first teaching position in Strongsville City School District, cementing the foundation of her dreams. By the time she finally graduated on December 31, 1996, Melinda was ready to inspire the minds of children. Many starry-eyed sixth graders claimed Miss Pluskovic as their treasured and enthusiastic teacher. 
the kids in her classes knew she could be trusted with secrets and was always open to friendly hugs and full of good advice that young people so desperately seek. Even after they moved on to other grades, they never forgot their sixth grade teacher, mentor, and friend. She was also incredibly supportive of her own children, excited for their futures and whatever life had in store for them. Like all mothers, she wanted her children to not only succeed, but also to find joy in life. So, of course, Melinda was delighted when her daughter Anna met her first boyfriend, a boy close in age to her named Jeffrey Scullin. The two were high school sweethearts and seemed to click immediately. Jeffrey was a young man of a slightly bigger build and presented himself as highly intelligent and was well-liked by his school peers. As senior students, Jeffrey and Anna were mentors to the rest of the student body at their school, taking nervous youngsters under their wings. Jeffrey, in particular, had a talent for making people smile and laugh, lifting their anxieties and helping them settle into their new routines. It only felt natural that Melinda and her family welcomed the young man with open arms, and he seemed to fit right in. In 2015, when the couple were both 18 years of age, Jeffrey decided to brave the next step in their relationship and asked Anna to marry him. To his relief and delight, she accepted, and they happily announced their engagement to the rest of the family. But as warm and positive as things seemed to be over at the Pleskovic home, things weren't as pleasant over at Jeffrey's. Jeffrey was privy to many arguments between his parents, who, while loving, struggled to provide a safe and consistent atmosphere for their son. Although Jeffrey had a hard time at home, he seemed to find solace and peace with Anna's family. Melinda had opened their family home to Jeffrey and provided him with the reassurance and stability he seemed to be seeking. In the meantime, his relationship with Anna continued to deepen and not long after graduating high school, the pair worriedly announced to the family Anna was pregnant. Although it was a complete surprise, the announcement was no less welcome than Jeffrey and their engagement had been. Melinda was especially over the moon at the thought of becoming a grandmother. Throughout the months leading up to the birth of their baby, Jeffrey was always close by, supporting Anna and continuing to bond with her family. It was also around that time that Bruce and Melinda invited Jeffrey to move into their family home so he'd be closer to Anna. They also thought it would make it easier for him to save money for the wedding, which had been set for October 28, 2017. For the family, everything seemed absolutely perfect. Even the unexpected surprise pregnancy was a pure joy for Melinda as she spent her days with Anna, watching her daughter glow with happiness as her belly grew rounder and the date loomed nearer. She even decided that when the baby was born, she wanted to be called Grammy. Jeffrey appeared attentive to Anna during this happy but stressful time. He brought her what she needed, helped make her feel more comfortable, and shared his joy of becoming a father with his future in-laws as readily and excitedly as any man could. Between the birth of the baby and the upcoming wedding, 2017, was looking to be a very eventful year. In early 2017, on a cold winter's day, Anna went into labor, and before they knew it, a tiny baby girl became the newest member of the family. 
who the couple named Aurora. As winter melted into spring, Anna and Jeffrey divided their time, settling into a new daily routine as new parents while planning the perfect wedding set for October. As Anna, her mother, and sisters looked for just the right wedding dress, Jeffrey and Anna searched for wedding venues. The family truly had a lot to look forward to. But in the back of their minds, there had been a mild concern they couldn't seem to put their fingers on. A few months before Aurora was born, Melinda and Bruce started noticing what appeared to be strange men or boys creeping around their backyard at night. They tried to brush it off as local kids just out having fun. Except it kept happening, and it was getting worse. Then Bruce began noticing money disappearing around the home, starting out as small, with ones and fives vanishing from the dressers and drawers. Then larger amounts started going missing from wallets. In January, the family reported a stolen laptop from Bruce's car. Another theft resulted in the disappearance of Melinda's car keys, which then led to several nights of her car alarm getting set off at absurd hours. During that time, Melinda posted on Twitter, Getting on a first-name basis with Strongsville PD, someone please tell the people trying to break into my house that I have no valuables. She and Bruce continued to call the Strongsville police for help as the intrusions escalated and became more intimate. Her car alarm continued to go off at odd times and would randomly be unlocked. Again, Melinda posted to Facebook in her frustration. Whoever still has my stolen keys was playing with the remote at 4.30 a.m. and kept starting the van at 7. Leave us alone. The formerly upbeat and positive Melinda was now beginning to feel stressed and anxious. She had no idea why, but it seemed someone was stalking them. As time went on, Melinda and Bruce continued to make regular calls to police, begging them to do something, but their pleas for help went unanswered. On October 19, 2017, Jeffrey reported to police he'd stopped an intruder from breaking in through the back door of their home and the intruder had fled through the field out back, but no suspects were found, and the harassment didn't stop. At one point, Melinda even found nails embedded in her husband's tires. For ten months, as the wedding loomed closer, the family experienced one harassment after another. Despite the sheer frustration created by the ongoing harassment and the strain of preparing for a wedding, the family stuck together, leaning on each other for support. On October 23rd, the family made plans to meet up for dinner at Applebee's, where Anna worked as a waitress, just five days before the wedding. As Bruce waited for all of them to arrive, he got a text message from Melinda around 4.30. The text said, She'd arrive with Kyle and baby Aurora, who she'd been babysitting. As Bruce patiently waited for them to arrive, Jeffrey pulled up in another car and greeted his soon-to-be father-in-law. When Melinda didn't arrive, Bruce and Jeffrey went inside. As time continued to pass, Melinda still hadn't shown up. Assuming she must have gotten tied up, they ordered dinner, hoping she'd arrive shortly. But after another hour passed by, Bruce became genuinely concerned. 
and suggested they go home to check on Melinda and the kids. As Bruce and Jeffrey arrived back home, they noticed Melinda's car was still in the driveway. As they hurried up the front walk to the door, they could see a few lights were on, but it was quiet. As they stepped inside, the two men could hear the sound of Kyle moving around somewhere in the house. They could also hear Aurora's little voice, but there was no sign of Melinda. Moving quickly from room to room, Bruce and Jeffrey stopped abruptly as they entered the kitchen. Their blood ran cold, and time seemed to stand still as their eyes fell to the floor. There, they saw Melinda lying face down in a pool of blood, and she wasn't moving. As Bruce tried to process what he was looking at, Jeffrey grabbed his daughter from the next room and located Kyle wandering around in the other room and pulled them both outside. Breathless, with fear and despair, Bruce called 911. 911, what city is the emergency in? Please come to me for Blazing Star. I think my wife's dead. Someone... Tell me... We've had people to... breaking into our house Sir. and now someone killed her. Sir, tell me the city you need to talk to. Strongsville, Ohio. Okay, you need to be transferred. Don't hang up. Okay, we wait. Ambulance is coming. We were waiting for her. She sent me... 911, what's the city of your emergency? Strongsville, Ohio. We have people on the way already. What's the address? Blazing Star. I think someone killed my wife. You think someone killed your wife? Yeah, there it looks like okay, she has stab wounds you... on her back. We've had okay. people trying to break into sir, our house sir, all year. Sir, stealing sir. Muttering about the series of disturbances the family had experienced over the past year, Bruce struggled to make sense. Jeffrey then got on the phone and told the dispatcher there was no sign of a break-in. Okay, do you see any, like, forced entry or anything to the house? I, I'm, I'm outside. The door was locked. The door was locked? The, the front door was locked. Okay. I'm going to stay on the phone with you until officers and the medics are there, okay? All right? All right. Did say if she's, does he think she's alive or he doesn't know? I, I don't know. She said she, she's been sad. As he continued to speak to the dispatcher, Jeffrey held on to Kyle to prevent him from going back inside the house. It was clear, Kyle didn't fully comprehend what had happened. Jeffrey told the dispatcher that Kyle was nonverbal. Police and DMT services were immediately sent to the house and medics rushed inside to tend to Melinda. But it was too late. Melinda was gone. Once Melinda was carefully taken away, police began questioning the family. They tried to figure out what had happened while Bruce and Jeffrey were out eating at the restaurant. Melinda's examination revealed she'd been both shot and stabbed several times. This crime was too brutal, too terrible to be a break-in gone wrong. The sheer force of the attack seemed to indicate a crime of passion committed by someone she might have known. On October 28th, the same day that Anna and Jeffrey were to get married, the grieving family held a funeral service for Melinda. Jeffrey and Bruce both served as pallbearers, taking Melinda on her final journey. The tightly knit family faced a long and difficult recovery 
as they returned back to their home, which was now distressingly empty of warmth. As the investigation into Melinda's murder continued, police secured warrants to search the family cars. Just a few days after Melinda's funeral, police arrived at the home with shocking news. They were there to arrest Jeffrey Scullin on suspicion of murder. During their search of the vehicles, police had stumbled across a knife in Jeffrey's pickup truck, covered in dried blood, a perfect match to Melinda and DNA traces on the knife pointed to one person, Jeffrey Scullin. This afternoon, we are here to report that we have arrested 20-year-old Jeffrey William Scullin Jr. in connection with the brutal murder of Melinda Pleskovic. Jeffrey William Scullin Jr. is believed to be the fiancé of the victim's daughter, and it was reported that he had been living in the home of the victim. Jeffrey William Scullin Jr. has been charged with aggravated murder and the case is being forwarded to the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office for review. He was issued a $1 million bond by the Cuyahoga County Common Police Court. This case remains under investigation as we continue to seek additional information. We ask any member of the public who may have information on this case to contact the Strongsville Police Department at 440 5803230 For that reason we are unable to respond to questions or release any additional information As more evidence came forward police began to try to siphon the truth from the young man and it didn't take long for the story to come out Say your name. Okay do you see what's on that name what color is that Blood. That's Belinda's blood. You see this handle? That's your DNA. Holding his head in his hands, Jeffrey confessed to murdering Melinda. He described a heated exchange over a gun, which ended when he tried to grab the weapon from Melinda, resulting in her getting shot. But evidence seemed to contradict that explanation. Not only had Melinda been shot three times, she'd also been stabbed 36 times in her back. Jeffrey claimed not to know where the knife wounds had come from, insisting he'd only shot her. A loss of control, three shots, and no memory of 36 knife wounds. Worse still, Jeffrey provided no motive for the brutal attack nor did he have any history of violence. As the case dragged on and the news spread throughout the tiny community, friends of Jeffrey Scullin were shocked that he was being accused of such a vicious crime. They simply couldn't reconcile the loving, compassionate young man with such a senseless and brutal act. For nearly a year, Jeffrey awaited his trial in a county jail with a million-dollar bond. His trial was set for October 18, 2018, almost a full year after Melinda's murder. Jeffrey's trial was overseen by Judge Pamela Barker. Initially, Jeffrey pleaded no contest to aggravated murder, two counts of felonious assault, tampering with evidence, 
making false alarms, and endangering children. His plea was decided in this manner when it moved to submit evidence of a coerced confession and a request to eliminate falsely obtained evidence was denied by the judge. Jeffrey also claimed the altered plea was to make it so that the Pluskovics would spend as little time in court as possible. Throughout the trial, he sat quietly, listening as evidence from that terrible night was presented to the court. DNA evidence connecting Jeffrey to the murder was found on both weapons used, but Jeffrey's attorneys argued that the evidence had been obtained illegally. They also alleged police had threatened Jeffrey he'd never see Aurora again if he didn't confess. In regards to the collection of evidence, a Strongsville officer testified Jeffrey not only gave permission to officers to search his truck, he even offered to move items during the search to make it easier to locate evidence. Judge Barker dismissed the claims of coerced confession and denied the motion to hold back the evidence under suspicion of suppression. She did this on the grounds Jeffrey had willingly agreed to the searches. She also mentioned that by agreeing to speak with detectives, he'd waived his Miranda rights. Although Jeffrey hadn't provided a motive for his actions, police had managed to retrieve many of his records, including information regarding his attempts to reserve the venue for his wedding. His credit card had been declined no less than 14 times by the venue, and the wedding reservations were canceled as a result. Melinda and Bruce knew about Jeffrey's attempts to save money. While no one could be entirely sure, police theorized that Melinda had been informed of the situation by the employees and had decided to confront Jeffrey. Was this what caused the normally gentle man to snap? Only Jeffrey truly knows. Without the desired answers, the only choice left to Melinda's family was to fight for his incarceration, hopeful he would never be released. Judge Barker spoke firmly as she addressed Jeffrey, speaking of how she'd received 51 impact statements from all the people who had been affected and devastated by Melinda's death. Melinda, or Mel, as she was known to many, was the beloved wife, wife of Bruce, mother to three children, Megan, Anna, and Kyle, and the grandmother of your own daughter, Aurora. She was a teacher for 27 years and a family member, colleague, friend, and matriarch or mom of what I understand was an extended soccer family. I did receive 51 impact victim impact statements to include those from her husband, her two daughters, sister, brother, nephew, great-nephew, mother-in-law, brother-in-laws, nieces, her second parents as they were known, colleagues, friends, soccer friends, and students and students' parents. I read each and every one of those letters, and the words used to describe Mel include, and I've taken these directly from those letters, awesome teacher, amazing friend, the rock that held her family together. Very special, fun, selfless, beautiful with a caring spirit, an inspiration to others, smiling and welcoming, 
a natural with kids, the most inclusive person, always welcoming, a coach, a role model, had an infectious laugh, patient, a mentor, a great teammate, the go-to person, truly amazing, passionate, a motivator, supportive. She opened her home to others. She was warm-hearted. She was a take-charge kind of person. She deeply cared about others. She was always prepared, never afraid to set you straight, the heart of her family, a shining light, best friend, sounding board, and caretaker. There is no doubt that Mel's family and friends miss her terribly, and they continue to suffer each day because of your highness actions. They do not understand how you could have killed this wonderful woman who opened her home to you and helped you. As you said, she was like a mother to you and your relationship with her facilitated the offense. Judge Barker made her point sternly noted to Jeffrey, who remained stoic and utterly motionless throughout the proceedings as Melinda's family watched from the back of the room. The victim, Melinda Pleskovic, just 49 years old, was savagely murdered by you, Mr. Sullivan, in the kitchen of her home, which she had generously made your home. You shot her three times and stabbed her a minimum of 35 times. You did so while her son, Kyle, who has Down syndrome, must have been or was in the home. You did so with your own daughter and her granddaughter, Aurora, close by. Then you had the audacity to sit down for dinner with her husband, Bruce, at Applebee's where their daughter, Anna, worked. Then you returned to the scene of your vicious crime and allowed Bruce to go into the home that he shared with his wife and children and find his wife on the kitchen floor in a pool of blood. You served as a pall bearer at Melinda Pleskovic's funeral, knowing that you were the person responsible for inflicting upon her loved ones and many friends all of the pain, shock, sorrow, and heartache they were experiencing and continue to experience a year after you murdered her. When the judge offered Melinda's family to read impact statements, Anna and Megan approached the stand. The past year had taken their toll on the young women, and their faces were etched with exhaustion and lingering pain as they spoke. Anna, formerly Jeffrey's loving fiance, now spoke with a subtle venom in her voice. Her anger for the cruel loss of her mother and the pain and betrayal at what he'd done crept beneath her voice. Um, my name uh, is Anna Pleskovic. Jeffrey Scullin should never be allowed to walk free again. The extent of his monstrous actions has forever crippled the lives of everyone he knows. My mother, Melinda, will never be coming back, and that egotistical boy has absolutely no reason or right to rip her away from us. 
I say boy and not man because a man doesn't harm his loved ones. A man owns his actions and decisions without hiding behind lies. A man supports his family and would do anything for his children. Jeff has done none of these things. Because of his heinous crimes, my brother lost the best mother a child with Down syndrome could possibly have. My father lost his best friend and soulmate. My sister and I no longer have our smart, beautiful, and respectable role model mother to guide us. And my daughter, Aurora, lost her cherished Grammy. The worst part is that someday I will have to sit her down and explain this horrifying nightmare to her. I'll have to find a reason as to why her father chose incarceration and lies instead of his baby girl. And to be honest, I have no idea where to even begin. Jeffrey needs to never have the option to inflict this pain on another human being again because he most definitely will kill again. He is a manipulator, a pathological liar, a thief, a sociopath, and above all, a sadistic murderer. He shows no remorse and deserves to spend his days away from the innocent. Sincerely, myself, Melinda's daughter, and his ex-fiance. All eyes were on Judge Barker as she laid down the official sentencing. On the aggravated murder count, count one that you pled guilty to, the court imposes a sentence of life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 30 years. The three-year firearm specification or the three years for that firearm specification must be served prior to and consecutive to uh, that term, meaning that you will not be eligible for parole until you have served 33 years. With regard to count five, tampering with evidence, that's the felony of the third degree. The court is imposing a prison term of 36 months on that count. With regard to count six, making false alarms in the seminar of the first degree, the court is imposing a period of local incarceration of 180 days. And with regard to count seven, endangering children, again, a misdemeanor of the first degree, the court's imposing a period of local incarceration of 180 days. Although Jeffrey was going to prison, Melinda's family now had to face the expansive future that wouldn't include her. The family's balance was fractured, and there have been many nights where the entire family convened and fell asleep together on the living room floor and couches, pulling strength from each other for the fear and anxiety of losing such a precious family member. Arguably, the hardest loss could have been for Kyle, their teenage son. Almost from the night of her death, Kyle hadn't been able to fully understand his mother was no longer there. Whenever a car would pull up in the driveway, Kyle would go to the window, hoping to see his mother finally coming home. What feels the most insulting to the family is the knowledge of what Jeffrey had done and then remembering how he'd been a pallbearer at Melinda's funeral. The family fully understands that what's done is done and nothing can change it as much as they might want to. Their only option is to keep moving forward while carrying Melinda in their hearts, living as she might have lived herself. Anna continues to raise Aurora, Melinda's precious grandbaby, while living with the knowledge that one day she'll have to explain what happened to her Grammy. But the rest of the family is dedicated to the successful development of her daughter and has sworn to be there every step of the way. Megan has followed in her mother's footsteps and began coaching softball 
with the family pulling together a fundraiser called Mel's Cup, which raises money for scholarships, all in honor of the countless children Melinda dedicated her life to educating and mentoring. Strongsville lives up to its name as it plows forward against the battering shockwave of Melinda's death. The community, filled with people she loved, still struggles to fully wrap their heads around the fact that she's gone. Forever regarded as a role model, she's remembered for her numerous accomplishments and feats of excellence. It's possible that Melinda died without ever truly knowing the full extent she was treasured by those around her. I think like the whole city just like knows her like as a good and genuine person. Developing youth, I mean just something she was so passionate about. I miss her a lot and there's not a day that passes by without me thinking about her and how like she was always a positive person. She would walk into a room and she'd always smile and she'd always find that, that positive. As hard as it's been to pick up the pieces and trudge forward, the community and family she left behind have made it their mission to launch her legacy into the sky and make certain that Melinda will always be remembered. I'd like to thank the following new Patreon supporters, Gabby, Elizabeth M., Christine R., Patrick R., Anne C., Rana R., Rebecca M., and David. And now I would like to introduce you to the podcast, Sweetie Anna. This is the story of eight women, all killed and their bodies disposed of, in and around the small town of Jennings, Louisiana between the years of 2005 and 2009. Local law enforcement said their deaths were the result of their high-risk lifestyles. Their cases remain unsolved. This is the story of unanswered questions and families looking for answers and closure. This is the Sweetie Anna Project Season 1, The Jennings Eight. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram as well, at Sweetie Anna Project. Minds of Madness can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and all other podcast platforms. Ad-free episodes of this show are available on Stitcher Premium. If you would like to support this show and get some extra perks, including extra content, early release, and ad-free episodes, go to patreon.com slash madnesspod. You can find our website by going to mindsofmadnesspodcast.com. To find us on Facebook and Instagram, search The Minds of Madness, and on Twitter, using the handle at MadnessPod. And finally, the closing track, Feel the Madness, is provided by The Funkors, 
You can find them at the record label's website by going to goldenerarecords.com.au slash G-E.